0: on with the episode vibrant 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 music teaching proven and practical tips strategies and ideas for music music teachers this is episode 117 of the vibrant music teaching podcast i'm nicola canton and in this episode we'll talk about what to do when things go wrong in online music lessons Hey there, beautiful teachers. Welcome back to another episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. It is so wonderful to be back with you again in this series, which is all about online music teaching. So, I decided to put this series together so that we can level up various things to do with our online music lessons. And you can go and check out the previous episodes if you're interested in equipment or tools or teaching strategies or fun and games, because we've talked about all of those so far. What we're chatting about today is maybe a less fun subject. It's about when things go wrong. What do we do as a backup option when things go wrong in music lessons, in our online lessons? Well, first let's talk about why we would even need a backup option. What do you think? What could go wrong? The first one that will occur to almost everyone is, what if the internet fails? What do I do if we just can't connect? If I can't reach my student, if the internet is glitching, what can I do? This is especially a concern in areas where the internet is a bit dodgy, let's say, where the speeds aren't, don't tend to be as high, such as in rural areas and that kind of thing. They're still good enough to sort of do online lessons, but they will have glitches. or. Just in general we can have students who there just isn't very good internet in a certain room in their house and that happens to be where the piano is. So the internet glitches can happen for sure. The next thing that might happen is a more general technology fail such as the app just won't update for a particular parent on that particular day or it won't let them log in or sometimes Zoom uh, people seem to have Trouble setting up their microphone, like the permissions, can't get set up. And explaining that through an email when you can't see it on their end can be hard. And we just have a general technology fail and can't connect with our student. Another thing that has happened with me is that a student just hasn't had a device available to them. A lot of parents have been working at home at the moment. And they're working at home. They need their computer the other parent needs their computer, another sibling needs the iPad for some lesson that couldn't be moved or it's a test with their school or something important, that a music lesson just doesn't get the top priority in some cases. They can't move a meeting, they can't move the test, and so there's just no device available at the right time. Another reason online lessons can fail is when the student has, let's say, an off day or maybe even a meltdown mid-lesson. This has been a stressful time for all of us. And screens can make this extra stressful and extra strenuous for certain members of the population, or many of us, or most of us. Screens can add that extra level of stress, and maybe in some ways it feels unnatural to us, I don't know, but it can be a challenging situation for many people. And so that combined to the general loneliness that many kiddos are facing, that they can't connect with their buddies from school, that they can't do their normal activities, that everything feels up in the air, it can mean people just have more off days. And we need to allow for that. And, you know, we still need them to be able to play piano during the week, to practice if they want to, to move forward when they're feeling better but we don't want to be rescheduling the lessons for any of these reasons, in my view. Yes, the internet failing is not your student's fault, but it's not your fault either. And it's not really about fault, but when we think about it in those terms, I think we can say, oh, but you know, they couldn't possibly connect with me and Zoom wouldn't let them update and that's not their issue, so I should make up that lesson. But I don't think you should, and I don't think that they will actually expect it if you have a good backup lesson option in place. So for most teachers, your backup lesson option is going to include some form of video and or text. The first thing I would say about this though is no matter what you're going to do, make a plan, have something in place where you say, okay, if X, Y, Z happens, I am going to do this. And the first step, in any plan, should be to send an email straight away in any, sorry, last minute plan. So some of those things could happen in advance, in which case, of course, you're going to reply to the email. But for the things that happen mid-lesson, where the internet fails, the tech won't happen, whatever, the first step should always be to email or text whichever is preferred to that particular parent or student straight away and let them know what your plan is. Rather than letting them know in advance, you can do that too, but just emailing straight away and saying, listen, internet's not cooperating it seems today, that's unfortunate, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to record a video right now and I'll send it to you when it's ready or whatever the plan is, but just let them know straight away so that they're not fussing and trying to fix the internet when it's actually impossible and just stressing themselves out. Make sure you let them know straight away what your plan is and what you're going to do." and then do it. So what are you gonna do? Well, you can write notes or you can record a video. Those are basically your options. And I suggest a combination of both. I would normally still send the assignment sheet with new notes on it to my student if we've had a portion of the lesson, or even if we hadn't, uh, depending on how independently they're gonna be able to work on that. But the main thing that I'm sending to students, if The lesson doesn't go ahead last minute or in advance is a video from me. You can also do a back and forth video. This particularly works well if you know in advance that your student will make it. So you can let them know, okay, no problem. The device won't be available at that time. But if you want to record a video before that lesson, make sure to send it to me before the lesson time and during your lesson time. I'll check it out and I'll reply to you as well. So I'll give you some feedback on it. That's a great option if you know in advance. But when it's last minute, generally a video directly from you is going to be the easiest way to go rather than them recording something and sending it to you. Because if they do that during the remainder of the lesson, you won't get it until much later. And then you're basically rescheduling the lesson, aren't you? You're using some of your quote unquote free time. None of us have free time, but (laughs) some of your other time and juggling things around so that you can review that later. So I prefer just a video from you if it's a last minute in the moment thing or a lesson from them to you and then back again if you know in advance that they won't be able to make it or can't have a device at that time. You can also use this to assign them alternative assignments. If you think a video isn't going to go down well or you just want something different to give to them, You can use this for alternative assignments like sending them a lovely curated playlist like, oh, you're learning about this Beethoven piece at the moment. Here's some fantastic renditions of that that I've put together for you so you can listen to them during the week. Or you can set up a fun project for them during that time and send them a PDF for that if that's something you feel like doing. That's something that would be a good option for you. For most of us though, we're going to go for the video option. So what I wanted to do today, as well as talk about these backup options, is give you a process for putting together one of these videos, because hmm, most of us, most of you, don't spend a ton of time creating videos every week, and I certainly didn't used to. It's something I've gotten more used to, but it can be scary, right? It certainly was for me in the beginning. It was super nerve-wracking to sit there in an empty room and turn on the record button and just talk to myself. <laughs> It felt very strange, and it will in the beginning, but there's a few tricks that you can use to record it. So let's talk about the tech first, though, because that may be a stumbling block for some of you. The simplest option here, if you're using something like Zoom, is just to stay on the call and leave the record button on or turn it on if you didn't have it on already. That's the simplest option. You can just stay in the empty room in Zoom. It won't shut down the call or anything if they're not there. You can just record it like that. Simple, easy, straightforward, and it's something you're already used to doing. If you do want an alternative outside of the video call or you're not using Zoom or something that records natively within it, there's an option for some kind of simple video recording included on most devices. So obviously, if you're on an iPad or an iPhone or something, you can just use the camera, right? But if you're on a computer and you would prefer to record within that, if you're on a Mac, there's an inbuilt program called QuickTime. And through discussions with several people, I don't think people always realize that it's there, but it is. QuickTime is included on all Macs, as far as I'm aware. And it can record your webcam just right there. It's a very simple program. You just open it up and go to new recording. You can even do screen recordings if you want to do that for some reason. And then just record your camera right there. It's really easy. And you can record an audio only there as well if that comes up as something you want to do. So that's an easy option within a Mac. I'm sure there's a PC alternative. I believe Movie Maker still exists and probably can do this. But I can't say for sure because I don't use a PC at the moment. If you want to be able to switch between different cameras and things, you might like to use my option, which is Ecamm Live. That's what I'll use. So I'm using that for my Zoom calls anyway. And if a student's internet disappears and I need to record a video during their lesson time, I'll just stay in Ecamm. I'll hit the record button there or I'll actually go live to YouTube as an unlisted video because that's even quicker because I don't have to upload it after. So I'll go live to YouTube as an unlisted video or you could hit record within Ecamm and then just record it right there in the program that I'm already using switch between cameras as I need to and different views and that kind of thing and then publish it when I'm finished I'm just using that unlisted YouTube link because I don't need any extra security like I'm not going to identify the student by name or anything like that in the video so I'm careful not to do that for parents that are sensitive about that kind of thing so I'll just talk through things, share it. No one else is really going to find it if the link is unlisted. By the way, for those of you not familiar, what that means on YouTube, there's three types of YouTube videos in terms of when you're uploading them. There's public, unlisted, and private. Public is a regular YouTube video that you're used to watching. Unlisted is you can only find it if you have the link. So the link exists and once you have that link, you can view it but it doesn't show in search and nobody's really going to find it. Private is you have to share it with a specific person using their email address and basically it's very annoying to use and I don't recommend it. So unlisted is a simple option if you're going to upload to YouTube. The reason you want to do that is because it's a free and easy way for people to view your videos. It's free for you to upload and it's, it's pretty simple. So that's the way I do it. Whatever system you're going to use, though, it really doesn't have to be fancy. Keep it simple, guys, okay? It really doesn't have to be difficult at all. You can just use whichever one of those you're comfortable with or any other system that you're comfortable with. You want to just message it to your student, you know, if everyone's using FaceTime and you want to send it through that. Whatever way works. doesn't have to be anything fancy. It's about what you include. So what are you going to include? Maybe this is the part you're nervous about, and I've been talking about tech, and you're going, yeah, yeah, but what do I say? Right. So, what I recommend is that you do one of two things, whichever one of these sounds better to you. Either you just talk directly to the camera and give some tips, and that's your format, or you're going to treat it more like it's a lesson and ask them to pause at certain points to do something. Either way works. Whichever way appeals to you, I find the former easier. And I leave it up to my student to then, you know, manage their own time. But I think the latter can work as well, where you're actually saying, okay, I want you to play this part of the right hand. Please pause the video now while you do that. And you're actually talking them through it like it's a regular lesson. So you're almost treating it as if they're there, even though they're not. If you are going to do it that way, just make sure when you say to pause that you also pause for At least a few seconds so that it's easy for them to go over and tap the device and pause it and then come back, right? Leave a bit of a buffer there. But either way works. Whichever way you're going to do it, make sure you are talking directly to the student. So, as I said, I don't use the student's name just in case because I am publishing it on YouTube, just to be extra cautious and because I don't need to. But I am talking as if I'm talking directly to them. So picture them there. Picture them on the other side of whatever device you're using and say, hey, so sorry, we didn't get to finish off our lesson. This is the piece we're going to look at next, blah, 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 blah. Just pretend they're there. Yes, it'll feel a bit silly and weird at first, but you'll get used to it. And honestly, it will make such a difference to the way you deliver things, how much you smile and how engaging you are if you just pretend they're there. Just do a little bit of make-believe. In regards to what you can actually talk about in the video and what you're saying to them as if they were there, one of the simplest options is just to address issues they had in a piece. So if there's something they've been struggling with, just go over that part in the way that you would have done it in the lesson. Or you can address issues that you think they're likely to have in the next piece and talk them through it in that way. You could also go through a specific practice strategy and actually demonstrate it for your student. So. You know, this is where you have an advantage in a video where you can be really clear about it and careful with how you use, how you describe the practice strategy. So you say, okay, well, this week I want you to work on this short section with the metronome at X speed. And then you show them you playing it with the metronome. So you can demonstrate a bit more in a video like this in a way that you probably wouldn't in a lesson because you don't necessarily have the time. But you don't have the back and forth here and they can pause the video whenever they need to. You can do a bit more demonstrating another fun thing to do in these videos is to give them some extra information around the piece or the composer we don't always have the time to do this in a lesson but it can be great to give them some background information about the piece and maybe this is something you do already but just make sure to include stuff like that because it makes a difference and on a video it's a great option so telling them a bit about you know, Scarlatti's life, and when he wrote this piece, if you know something about it, or just an interesting factoid, or who his teacher was, that kind of thing. Anything you know about the context of the piece and the composer, or the era, is a great thing to include here. Not a big lecture, but just a fun, interesting detail is a great thing to include. If you don't want to do stuff around their piece, or you want some extra things to include, it would be a great idea to demonstrate an improvisation pattern for them here. So we have a series called The Simple Sparks inside Vibrant Music Teaching. It's one of the resources we put out right at the start of the pandemic. I think it was back in April. Could have been May, though. But if you look inside the printable library or the video library, you will find the Simple Sparks. And those are simple, obviously, Simple Sparks. They're easy little improvisations that you can do solo even if you're a beginner okay and each one is a video so you can actually send your students the video if you like or include that video within your video if that makes sense if you're using something like ecamm you could you could play it within your video and include it that way or you could just demonstrate it yourself but demonstrating an improv pattern so that your off week your backup lesson plan is not a dull week for the student, that they have something creative and fun to do, is a great option. The last option I want you to consider is just giving them a performance. Just taking this opportunity to actually demonstrate their pieces. You know, if they're doing online lessons exclusively, and they've been doing them for a while, or even if they haven't, if you've been doing several online lessons with your student, they're not getting a really good quality video from you. They're getting, hopefully, the best that you can provide. And we I gave you some tips for that back in our tools and equipment episodes. But the quality coming through a video call is never as good as a recorded video. So this is a great opportunity now that you're doing this backup lesson video. It's a great opportunity for you to perform their pieces for them. Give them a lovely performance of their pieces. Really mean it too, even if it's Mary Had a Little Lamp. Play it beautifully. Inspire them. Yes, you don't want to do this with all pieces all the time. And if your student has a particularly wonderful ear and they're just going to memorize the piece instantly and you need them to work on reading, obviously you're not going to do this. But for an occasional thing, for most students, it's a great way to inspire them and to show them how fantastic their pieces can sound right to give them something to look forward to and it comes across much better in a recorded video than it ever will in a video call so that's another great option for including in your video hopefully those few tips have given you some food for thought but mostly just don't overthink it it doesn't need to be something super fancy and amazing just pretend your student is in the room or on the other side of the video screen and talk directly to them Give them some tips, give them some new assignments, give them some interesting tidbits, make some jokes if you can, and make it as fun for them as you can. And then simplest option is to upload it to YouTube Unlisted and just share the link with them. Make sure that you have those notes to yourself though so that you have your plan where you're going to email the parents straight away to let them know what's happening just so that they're not in a tizzy unbeknownst to you on the other side trying to connect with you again when you've actually given up on the connection and are recording a video instead. So your action step for today, what I want you to do is to make a backup plan if you don't already have one. Even if nothing has gone wrong for you in any online lesson ever, make your backup plan now just in case, in a Google Doc or something or on your phone, wherever you like, and have notes to yourself of step one, email such and such or text the parent. Step two, record the video. Step three, upload to YouTube. Whatever your plan is going to be, just some s- simple bullet points so that you have those notes. It'll make you feel more secure when you do have tech wobbles. And when something goes really wrong, you'll have that there and you n- jump straight into action and know what to do with the rest of that lesson time and how to move forward. And it'll make parents feel so much more confident in the service they're receiving and and how well you're looking after them. So make that little backup plan. Let me know any questions you have about it over in the Facebook group or on the show notes for this episode at vibramusicteaching.com slash 117. Next week, we're going to be talking about teaching technique in online piano lessons. So we have three episodes left in this little mini series about online teaching 2.0, our level up series for online lessons. And the last three episodes are all about particular things that I know teachers have been struggling to teach effectively. So next week, we're going to talk about technique and strategies for teaching technique in your online piano lessons. I hope you'll join me back here then, and I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. Bye for now. If you're a member of Vibrant Music Teaching, you'll know that you're welcome to send games through to your parents in your studio so that they can use them midweek. So they don't have to be missing out on that if they do miss their lesson. You also have those simple spark improvisation ideas that I mentioned in this episode inside the library. So just hop on over there to check it out. And if you're not a member, you can sign up and get instant access at vmt.ninja.